and welcome to the Model Railroad Hobbyist Magazine's special feature, DCC Question and Answers. I'm your host, Paul Gillette, and the answer part is going to be provided by Gary Paulino from Train Tech LLC, your model train control professionals, located up in Massachusetts and serving model railroaders across the United States and the world. You can see everything that Gary and his crew offer in the way of DCC lighting, decoders, accessories by visiting their website, which is www.traintechllc.com. And that's all one word, T-R-A-I-N-T-E-K-L-L-C. So I want everybody to grab a pencil and a piece of paper and take notes because there's going to be a pop quiz at the end of this show. All right, let's get going here. Gary, this first one's pretty straightforward here. Should I be running 28 speed steps or 128 speed steps? What do you think? Well, the number of speed steps that an operator is using, it's, it's somewhat of a personal choice, but there are other benefits as well. Um, but speed steps are, are essentially uh, an equal division of voltage points applied to the uh, motor from the decoder. And the greater number of these equal divisions, uh, it gives you a, a finer control over the, the locomotive and you can really fine tune the performance of, of the locomotive. And an instance where you may want to run 128 speed steps would be in, uh, in a situation where you're switching a yard and you would want fine control so that you can make those slow switching moves. But you may, you may not want to um, go through all 128 speed steps, for instance, on the main line. Um, you may want to run in just 28 speed steps, and that way there, the voltage increments applied to the motor are a little bit larger, and it'll give you a, a, a quicker response on your throttle to speed up and slow down. Um, and that may be a little more desirable for mainline operations. Uh, one other instance, uh, aside from personal preference, uh, will take place with sound decoders. And uh, I'll use a soundtrack tsunami, for example. Um, having the decoder in 128 speed steps, it spreads that voltage increment out, and it gives you a little bit better timing with the sound of the RPM of the prime mover ramping up and down. And um, it, it gives you a little bit more realistic experience. And, and that would be one instance where, you know, besides personal preference, you may want to do that for, uh, for operational reasons. Okay, and here's the next question we got, Gary. Okay, so I'm new to DCC and I don't understand starting and top end voltage. Why wouldn't the starting voltage always be zero? And they're setting the top end voltage sets how fast you want the top speed to be. How do you decide what to use for that top end setting? Okay, well, the start voltage setting of a decoder is the amount of voltage that is applied to the motor from the decoder basically to get it spinning. And depending on the locomotive that you're using, this may require you know, more voltage on some locomotives than other. Um, some locomotives have a uh, somewhat more stiff drivetrain and will need a little bit more power than others to get it moving. So the start voltage can be modified in CV2, which is is basically going to be the same in any NMRA-compatible decoder. Um, so the object of this is to get the loco to just start moving at speed step one on your throttle. And, uh, and the best way to do this uh, programming is with programming on the main or ops mode. And, uh, and the reason I, I suggest this is because uh, you're on 
the mainline track with full power and you can actually watch your changes live as as you do this so um, you know and we'll for the sake of this um, program we'll have to just assume that you as the user know how to modify CVs and put your system into ops mode um, because each system is a little bit differently uh, uh, so prior to going into ops mode uh, advance your throttle to speed step one and then enter ops mode and then navigate your system to CV2. And I usually start with a value of around 10. And if the loco isn't moving yet after you increase that value, continue to increase the value in CV2 uh, by about uh, one or two increments and until the loco just starts to move. And that's, that's what you're really looking for with start voltage. So when you go to speed step one, that engine just starts creeping forward. And um, sometimes we may need a little bit of extra uh, movement in that motor because the hardest thing to do with a motor that's stationary is to get it turning because it has to overcome some of those mechanical constraints in the drivetrain and start the, the worm gears turning the wheels in the trucks. So there are some manufacturers out there that have a little extra features. Uh, sometimes you will hear it referred to as motor kick or kickstart. And what that actually does is by adjusting that setting, you can actually give that motor a little extra kick of voltage to get it spinning. And, and it's only for a short time that that CV takes place. And once the motor starts spinning, then the regular speed table takes over. Um, so, but in, uh, in many cases, you know, you wouldn't want the start voltage to be zero as was asked in the question, um, because more than likely when you go to speed step one, the locomotive won't start moving and what'll happen is you'll keep advancing your throttle so that the voltage starts increasing to the motor from the decoder but then what can happen is all of a sudden you can get that motor to spin but it'll, it'll cause the locomotive to lurch and it really won't look too prototypical so that's why we suggest that you want to kick up the start voltage to uh, just get that engine moving when you go to speed step one Okay, makes sense. What about the uh, top end factor? Well, top end voltage, uh, it, it's essentially the maximum amount of available track voltage that is applied to the motor from the decoder. Um, so at this setting, the locomotive, locomotive will travel as fast as the drivetrain can take it. And in, in many cases, you know, this may be... Um, way too fast for the layout that you're on and you could cause um, you know some operational and safety issues with the with the locomotive you know for example if it's going too fast and you've got a, a narrow curve like an 18 inch radius or something you know with that speed you could you could have that engine jump the track and <laughs> at the prices of the locomotives today you know it wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be very fun to have that 200 dollar sound locomotive lying on the concrete floor of the basement they don't bounce that well. No, they don't. Um, so, uh, so we recommend that you you may want to look at the top end speed of your engine and maybe back it off a little bit. Um, but you you also want to probably take a look at that too from a uh, prototype standpoint. That um, you know some locomotives wouldn't be going as fast. Uh, you know some of these heavy freight drags like an SD50, for example. You know they weren't designed for high speed. They were designed for pulling. Whereas like uh, an EMD, EMD F40PH, which is a passenger engine, those were dyne, designed for rapid uh, acceleration and high speed for uh, passengers. So, 
so you may have very, very differences in, uh, in the way those engines perform. Not all um, the, the decoders on the market support um, top-end voltage adjustment, uh, but the ones that do, it's typically CV5. And um, instead of the start voltage, CV2, where we're starting to just get that motor spinning slowly with small values, we start top-end voltage at a maximum value, and uh, the range in, in that um, CV would be from one, 0 to 255, 255 being the maximum. And we would start with that maximum and decrease until we get the top-end speed slowed down to where we, uh, where we find it uh, acceptable. So this is performed essentially in the same manner as the start voltage. And uh, you would put the locomotive on the main line and the DCC system in ops mode. But uh, one word of caution is that if you've got a locomotive that you know when you put it at full throttle, it's going to go very fast, you may want to just drop that top-end voltage down before you even start. Um, so from 255, you may want to drop it down to, let's say, like 200. Um, so that way there, you know, you don't wind up causing yourself an accident uh, with a locomotive that you know is running too fast. And uh, when you do this, you're going to be operating this locomotive at a, a fairly high rate of speed. So you want to make sure that you've got a clear track um, and that you don't have any uh, other freight cars or trains on the main line that you could accidentally run into. And um, what you're going to do is you're going to put that engine at maximum speed, speed step 28, and um, you go into CV5 and you start working down until you see that locomotive slow down to where you find it as an acceptable um, acceptable range for operation. Um, but the, um, the other little feature with to controlling top-end voltage, it can be very handy for you know, keeping a, a leash on that speed demon friend that likes to come over and drag lace locomotives. Um, but it also can be useful if you've got young children that are learning how to operate and you want to restrict how fast those locomotives are going when they're running so they don't accidentally get themselves in trouble. So there are uh, several uses for that. Um, and the last part of that is if your loco's decoder doesn't support uh, top, top end or max voltage CV, what we can do is activate a speed table and we can load a custom speed table to um, the decoder, but that's a little bit more complex for what we have time allotted here. Uh, we could probably discuss that uh, in a different program. Okay, very good. Okay, Gary, another question. Uh, guy writes, I put a crossover between two tracks on my DCC and now when a loco takes a crossover, it will stall halfway through and makes a short sound, his words, on my DCC system. When I nudge the loco, it starts running again. What's going on and how the heck do I make it stop doing this? Well, it sounds like while, uh, when the crossover was added, um, we created a reversing section. And this is a common problem on modern railroads, but it's very easy to fix with DCC. Um, if you recall in the days of analog running, we always used a double pole, double throw toggle switch, and the operator would need to anticipate setting that toggle switch in the right direction before he entered the uh, reversing section and prevent that short circuit from occurring. But with DCC, we have a lot more tools at our disposal. So one of the things that we use is what's called an auto reverser module. And it literally automates the reversing section. 
So you still need to wire it somewhat the same as you would with an analog layout. The reversing section, it physically needs to be isolated from the rest of the layout. And you can do that by either cutting gaps and inserting pieces of styrene or using um, plastic rail joiners. And then a pair of the wires from your DCC power bus that's fed from your DCC system is connected to the input side of the auto reverser. And then the output of that auto reverser is then connected to the reversing section. So when the wheels of a locomotive, um, as you're traveling along, you hit the gap of that reversing section, that same short circuit is taking place if the polarity is against the locomotive. But because the auto reverser um, it acts so fast, it's transparent to the user um, because this, this flipping of the polarity happens in milliseconds. And because it's transparent, now the operator, he's free to just worry about controlling his train and not having to um, worry about which position toggle switches are in. So uh, it's a huge benefit to uh, DCC users and, um, and makes the whole experience operating the train much more prototypical because you don't have to worry about things like that. I'm sure a lot of us can identify with setting up an auto-reversing section and then just continually forgetting to throw the switch at the right time. Locomotive comes through, it stops, momentum carries the car off the track, and next thing you know, you end up with a real prototypical looking derailment. So it's really good that uh, DCC's made that uh, easier. In fact, aren't there some uh, dedicated uh, DCC components that will do this for you? Yeah, the units um, that are available, uh, there's several manufacturers that have them. Um, for example, DCC Specialties has a solid state version. It's all electronic, so it, um, the reversing takes place very, very quickly. They have a basic unit um, that is the uh, OGAR, which um, is an auto reverser and a circuit breaker. And then they have their PSX AR series um, that has some automation features, which are, are pretty slick. For example, if you have a reverse loop that comes back on itself to a uh, turnout, what you can actually do is you can set this unit up to automate the turnout uh, that enters and exits the uh, reversing section so that you don't even have to worry about throwing the switch. The, uh, the auto reversal will do it automatically for you. Well, this wraps up this show of Pickin' Gary Polino's Brain on DCC Matters. Okay, and I told you there'd be a pop quiz. So what you want to do, the question is, spell DCC. Email me with the answer, and there'll be a big surprise. I want you to go to duckdogger.us. That's all one word, D-U-C-K-D-O-G-G-E-R.us. At the bottom of the homepage, there's a contact DuckDogger link. Send your answer along with your question. Gary and I review the questions and we'll choose the ones that cover a variety of interest and they'll be covered on the next show. Target, doing one of these a week so that the questions and the answers remain timely. So thanks to Gary for taking his time. I'm your host, Paul Gillette. We've enjoyed it and hope you have too. See you next time.